2: no that's what i call gospel <laughs> we should start doing that kind of thing yeah we don't we, we don't. would have burned so many people <laughs> i don't know how to do the proper vocal warm-ups so i just make them all up like i fuck them up all the correct
1: them. ones because the correct one is tip of the tongue teeth in the lips i'm like tipples and nipples, nipples.
2: <laughs> Te- teeth in the tongue <laughs> Which is so dirty. <laughs> dirty. <laughs> Again, so gross. someone someone took the Corinthian from Sandman, but <laughs> fucked up real hard. They're like, where was his teeth? Not the eye sockets. It was the tongue, right? Yeah. And then, that was and it. And then tipples on the nipples? Yeah, that sounds tipples right. Tipples and nipples. <laughs> teeth in the tongue. You got it. Yeah, and that's basically my warm-up, my vocal warm-up before you we start. it. I think that's why I'm so good at this. <laughs> that's why you have that great radio voice. Yes. I could if I tried. Yeah. But guess what, guys? I'm not trying to have great radio voice. We're not here to give you great radio voice. I
1: don't have great radio voice. We're so here it's to mine. give
2: you I don't know, whatever you want to get out of this, I guess.
1: We're here because we're crazy for you. Bum bum bum. You're welcome.
2: You're welcome. Welcome to Rock Candy. <laughs> Your weekly podcast bringing you sweet treats from the world of music, mm-hmm. their stories, their tales, and their stupid hot takes from two dumb, drunk, crazy ladies. Mm-hmm. I'm Maggie. I'm Ashley. And this week we are bringing you another crazy lady. Oh yeah, she's crazy. Oh, she's crazy. But in kind of the best way. I'm all right with for, it. For 80% of it, yes. Sure.
1: Okay. I would
2: I would say that there's like 20% I'm not here for.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, but yeah. But we're gonna have to like I mean, hold
2: off on that for next episode. There's,
1: there's a lot that I wasn't here for, right? And I'm kind of okay with it now. Hmm. We'll get into it, but we're talking about
2: Madonna. What? Thanks, yeah. Madonna. <laughs> hey, Lady Madonna. Children at your feet. And what are you? Is this the Beatles? Like tra- oh, okay. i like, is this a Madonna. train song? What are you doing? <laughs> Fucking, I, bet I, don't train, know, I don't I don't know why I went covered, Lady Madonna. Probably. I
1: don't know why my head went automatically <laughs> to train, but no drops of
2: Madonna in her hair. <laughs> hey, 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 yay! Stop. We don't need to bring train into this. We never need to bring you, train. There is never I'm an not, occasion
1: when you should bring train into anything.
2: I might come on ride the train, but I'm not bringing oh, the train different. into the station. That's different. Yeah, there's too many train references and songs. But come on, ride the train is the best one. It's the only one. It's the only one you should be listening to. Right? If you're listening to train instead of come on ride the train, you're fucking up. So I, first and foremost,
1: one of the first times I heard that train song was when I was Drops on of
2: Jupiter. Not come on ride the train. This was
1: yeah, come on ride the train. Oh God, come so on ride the train. Um, I was at Great Escape in Lake George, <laughs> New York, when I was very young. And one of the few really good rides at that amusement park was it was like the scrambler, but it was inside of a dark dome. And it
2: was like It was late. the magical mystery ride. Yes. I fucking it was loved that goddamn ride and they it got rid of so it. Go- and yeah, I, I know. Raged. It was the I only raged. good one
1: there. And they got rid of it. It was amazing. It was a fucking scrambler inside of a pitch dark dome with just yeah. like laser lights going on. And off, they played and Come on Ride the sick, Train Fucking 90s dance. Tunes. It was so good.
2: Yeah. I mean, granted, yes, of course, you listen to Madonna to prepare for this, but then you also just kind of slide into sweet, sick 90s jams. Yeah. Because you're like 80s jams too. Oh, God. We did, we definitely went on a little journey before we started. And then halfway through, I realized that the beer we have tonight is 9%. And I was like, whoopsie daisy. I need to slow my roll and pump the brakes. Yeah. So there's that. So I'll go into our beer because yeah. I'm holding it and talking about it and caressing it lightly. We're drinking McKellar's uh, Hazy For You, which is uh, obvious not too crazy, crazy for, for you. Oh, uh, duh. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> they could have also done Hazy Hazy On You and done a heart one.
1: Yeah, they could have. They could have done both. I, I think they're... Um... Basic enough to Ooh. do Madonna and shots. Fired. I'm sorry, like they're gonna
2: give a shit. They're not. Yeah, gonna they're not gonna, gonna give a shit. No. First of all, they will never hear this. But second of all, uh, they don't care. Yeah, they, they don't, don't care. need. They don't need our help or dis help to sell beers. Agreed. They will. Be they're just doing fine. just fine. They're really god smacking it. They're god smacking it. They're doing better than god smacking it. I would say they're doing better than god smack at this point. Period. Truth. But um it's actually it's perfectly it's a great IPA with citra and Simcoe hops. It's tasty. It is cloudier than most IPAs that I'm used to. It I mean it, it is lives lazy up, for it you. lives
1: up to the name. They're not fucking around here. They're nice. not. Does it have lactose
2: in it? No, it doesn't. Oh. No lactose, but nine percent alcohol. Them. And and that's and that's not great for me, and I need to slow down. It's a weekday. It's a school day, man. It's Monday. But it's also been a shitty Monday. Sure has. S- and so. all I wanted to do was come home and drink, and I did it. <laughs> and I even did yoga before Yay, I drank. Good for So you. look at me. Good job. This is what adulting is. Adulting is when you're like, all right, I want to drink, but I got to get my chores done first. Like when you were it's a like kid it reward. was like right when you're a kid you're like I want to watch my cartoons but I got to do my homework first when you're adult I want to drink my beer but I got to get my oh, chores no. when done when you're
1: a kid you're just like I'm going to watch cartoons until my mom yells at me to do my homework
2: That's true when you're <laughs> you adult did you just lie on have the, the couch re- and drink a beer with, didn't, in filth
1: Yeah you did not have the responsibility the responsible qualities as a child <laughs> to make those kind of decisions and no. say you know what My 13-year-old self is going to do this homework, so then I can watch my cartoons. Yeah. We didn't have, like, fucking TiVo or anything. No, we had to watch that shit when we got home. Yeah. You had to watch it, or you missed it forever.
2: Yeah. But I guess, like, more for, like, kids who played video games and their parents, like,
1: locked that shit
2: up. Video games you can play whenever. Fuck off. Right. You always had that luxury. But, like, Animaniacs was only on at 4.30 if I fucking missed it. And I
1: learned things
2: from Animaniac. That was edge of attainment. Wow. We went on a tangent. Hey, we do that here. Yay. Just so you know, we're not even 10 minutes in. We go on tangents. It's fine. But I guess we talked about the delicious beer. We introduced ourselves. We talked about that we're going to talk about Madonna. (laughs) So I guess we could just
1: talk about Madonna then. Yeah. Well, first I should mention my primary source. Ooh, primary source. For my notes here. Mm. And that would be the book Madonna Like an Icon mm. by Lucy O'Brien. Very nicely written book. Nicely written nicely book. Nicely written book. Can that
2: go in like the reviews? <laughs> nicely written book. Ashley Ellis, Rock Candy Podcast. Amazon, four and a half stars. Ooh. Nicely written book. Nicely written book. Pretty good. Yeah. It's not, you know what? Good. Good. Good book to read about Madonna. Indeed. <laughs>
1: When I first started writing my notes, I accidentally wrote, Madonna Louise Ciccone was boring instead of born. (laughs) (laughs) And nothing could be farther from the truth. In her nearly 40-year career, Madonna has become the best-selling female recording artist of all time. But it's not just the music industry that she has dominated. Film, fashion, books, charities, and other industries have Madonna's stamp all over them, for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because not only is Madonna prolific... She's controversial as fuck, too. Yes. In many different ways. Yes, indeed. Madonna Louise Ciccone was born in Bay City, Michigan, and spent her early years in nearby Pontiac. She shares a first name with her mother, who be- who came from a French-Canadian family from Bay City. But her father, Silvio, or Tony Ciccone, came from a very large Italian immigrant family near His Pittsburgh. His name's Tony
2: Ciccone. Tony Ciccone.
1: I didn't even realize that until today when I was reading over my notes. I'm like Tony Ciccone. <laughs> Tony Ciccone. <laughs> After a three-year long-distance courtship, Madonna Senior and Tony married and immediately started their family. And yes, I'm going to call her Madonna Senior you know because what, though? it's the easiest way to differentiate. But you know them. what though? I like that. Yeah, Instead
2: I like that of, like, the lady can be a senior, right? And the lady can make her daughter a juniorette. Oh, that's cute, right? Yeah. Fuck that patriarchy. First came Anthony
1: in 1956, then Martin a year later. So,
2: also Tony Ciccone.
1: Also, also Tony Ciccone, but Tony Ciccone was actually Silvio. Junior Tony was actually Tony. Does that make sense? It does, but it's dumb. It is dumb, but (laughs) he's naming himself after him. He's naming his son after himself, but not really after He's himself. He's
2: naming his son after who he wishes he was. He's naming his He wished son- he was truly the Tony the Ciccone. The Tony Ciccone of his dream. So what he did was create not the Tony Ciccone that we need, but the Tony Chicconi that we deserve.
1: Oh, Madonna, the Ciccone's first girl, was born August 16th, 1958. But she wasn't the last girl. Paula came along a year later, followed by Christopher and then Melanie. That's a lot of kids. There's
2: a big old fucking family. four kids? Five kids? Six kids. Woof! That is six kids. Too many kids. Too many kids. I'm sorry. Kids. You can have as many too kids many as you want. But that's... that's but that's too many that kids. That is six
1: too many for this
2: lady. Maybe, like, get off her for a night.
1: He's Italian. He's a lustful man. He's a lover. of the ladies. He loves the Italian ladies. <laughs> Chiconi got to spread of his seed. <laughs> I Just to know. Stick it in the manicotti and then you take it, right? Oh, woof.
2: Woof. That's what he calls don't. his dick, the manicotti. Wait, does he really?
1: No. Oh. No. I was like,
2: wait, how do you know this? Is this in your sources? <laughs> this is a very detailed biography of Madonna. A <laughs> little t- nicely written biography. <laughs> Especially love the part about Tony's manicotti. Ugh, I don't Yuck. need to know. But also for context, I would like to say that the entire time we speak with Italian accents, we are doing the hand. We're doing the Italian hand. You have to. You have to. It's how Italians talk. It's either
1: the the scrunched up fingers or the splayed fingers. Like, ah yeah.
2: See, I am not Italian, so I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah.
1: There's the scrunched up fingers, there's the splayed fingers, and then there's the, uh, fuck you. But I feel like you're like gonna flat hit hand. Me with that. It's a flat hand. You're really mad when you do this. Oh, you're going to hit me. I'm going to
2: hit you. She might.
1: For a few years, things seemed to be going perfectly for this large family. Tony got a job as a defense engineer for Chrysler back oh, when shit. the auto industry in Michigan was still booming. With help from Madonna Sr., and x ray technician, they were able to raise their young children in relative comfort.
2: That, actually, yeah. American fucking dream right here. Yeah. What was this? The fifth? No, 60s? Early 60s. Yeah. Yeah. That is 100% American fucking dream. But it didn't last long.
1: God damn it. While pregnant with their youngest child, Melanie, Madonna Sr. was diagnosed with breast cancer. Because she was pregnant, treatment wasn't an option until the baby was born, but by then it was too late. The cancer was aggressive, and within a year after delivering Melanie, Madonna Sr. was dead. She was only 30, and Madonna Jr. was only five years old.
2: That's fucking terrible! Yeah. Oh my god!
1: Despite not really being able to get to know her mother, Madonna Sr. had a bigger impact on little Madonna's life than anyone could imagine. Her declining health confused young Madonna, but didn't under- who didn't understand why her mother cried so much and why she was rapidly getting physically weaker. And while the Chaconi clan was always an unruly one, Madonna Senior would be able to rein them in. Now that she was gone, Madonna became
2: the new mother of the household. Oh, Lady Madonna, children at your feet. Yes. Wonder how you ever managed to make ends meet. Yep. Yeah. The Ma- Beatles were singing about Madonna, but in the future. New conspiracy theory. Take it, kids. They're time travelers. <gasps> Paul wasn't dead. He was time traveling. Yeah. Is this, is this Beatles Outlander? It's this Beatles Doctor Who because they're British. Oh, wait, Outlander's British. British
1: and Scottish, yes.
2: Outlander Who? <laughs>
1: Outlander Who? Precisely. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Madonna looked after her younger siblings and took care of her father, whom she became overprotective of to an extreme degree. Mm. She grew up really fast, developing a hard emotional edge at a very young age, learning that she could only rely on herself. Despite his children's self-sufficiency, Tony knew he needed help raising them, but they resented and rebelled against any nanny or housekeeper Tony brought into the house. Fair. That is, until Joan Gustafson entered the picture. Within six months of being hired, Joan and Tony were married. And Madonna oh, had a stepmother. That's fast. That's a that's quick... really fast. That
2: escalated
1: quickly. Yes. Naturally, eight-year-old Madonna was re- resentful. She yep. re- she refused to call Joan mom, and as far as she was concerned, she didn't have a mother at all. That gave her a wicked sense of confidence, like she didn't have to answer to anybody.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. Did Joan tell me I had to do that? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Joan's not my mom. Oh, did Joan say I have to do my homework before I can watch Animaniacs? Mm. (laughs) I don't think so, Joan. Sorry, Joan. It's not happening. Yeah, I think I'm going to play my Atari now because you're not my mom, Joan. (laughs) Think you know what's best for me, Joan? Yeah, Joan.
1: (laughs) This is like when you say a word over and over again, it loses all meaning. Joan means nothing
2: anymore. (laughs) And I bet that's how Madonna wants it.
1: Probably. She just said her name a lot
2: and it just lost all meaning. Right. And all the other kids like, wait, this doesn't mean anything. Yeah. In
1: 1968, Tony and Joan moved their family, which now included two more children, Jennifer and Mario. Too many kids. Too many kids. To a suburb of the suburb of Rochester Hills. Living in the suburbs did nothing to quell Madonna's rebellious streak.
2: Oh, my God. it probably encouraged it. Yeah.
1: In elementary school, she would famously flash her classmates for attention. <gasps> yeah. Oh, okay. In like, elementary school.
2: Oh, I will say, like, that's when you have a sit down with the kid and be like, look, all right, we do need to have a, like, all right. But, I don't care what you do, but, like, don't do that. But Tony was not that
1: kind of guy. The man didn't do that.
2: You need Meatloaf to come in and be like, I would do anything for attention, but I won't do but that. But I won't do that. Yeah. You need to stop. You need to stop doing that. Like, you are going to get so many adults on a sex offender list so quickly. But I think
1: at this point, um, Meatloaf was um, kind of assaulting women oh. with uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Yeah. So slightly problematic song. Still kind of love it, but it's, so a, it's, it's problematic. Still,
2: if you want to piss everyone at the karaoke bar off. You do Paradise by the Dashboard Life. And follow
1: it up by Journey. Yes. And then Bon Jovi.
2: Ugh, I'm out. Fuck you. Hate this karaoke. This is the worst karaoke (laughs) I've ever been
1: to. High school wasn't much different for Madonna. At age 12, when she was in junior high, she performed this at the school talent show by tap dancing to Baba O'Reilly in a fluorescent bodysuit. That's the fucking most amazing right? thing I've ever heard of in my goddamn life, and I want to see it. To us, that's fucking amazing, but to Tony, who was very conservative and definitely treated his sons and daughters differently, she was out of control.
2: Look, Tony Rigatoni. Put the fucking brakes breaks on your life here and let your daughter fucking tap dance to Bob O'Reilly. <laughs> it's great.
1: Stuff your fucking shells somewhere else. Huh? Tony Tony. Tony. Tony, Tony. Tony
2: what's his name? Tony Caccioni. Ciconi. Ciconi. I'm not Italian. <laughs> I'm Irish. Oh, man. I'm about as far from Italian as you can get.
1: I'm a little of both. I know. And a little of other things. Mm very white, though. We're, all, we're both quite white. Quite white.
2: <laughs> they would call yes, us mellow yes. yellow, except we're quite we're, white.
1: We're quite whitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tony was very conservative and definitely treated his sons and daughters differently. Madonna knew that her brothers got away with a lot more than she did, but if anything, that spurred her to act out even more. Go for her. Although she had a defiant personality, she had a disciplinary streak. When she wasn't cartwheeling down hallways, she was getting straight A's in class. Her studious nature was something she learned at a young age from her father, who espoused hard work in order to reap benefits. That's a lesson that Madonna would take with her throughout her career. Despite the Baba O'Reilly incident, and possibly because of her great grace, Madonna's conservative father was okay with her being a cheerleader. Well... As part of the cheer squad, she could flash her underwear at boys in the name of sports, oh and God. it was much more acceptable.
2: Oh, uh, Okay.
1: All of a sudden, she was one of the popular kids at Adams High, where she attended high school. By the sounds of it, she had the idyllic teen movie experience for a while. Mm. The popular cheerleader with tons of friends and a long line of male suitors and lost of virginity to the school heartthrob. But of course...
2: <laughs> More like the school heart on. Am I right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but of course, high, because high schoolers are the worst... She was the subject of slut shaming time and time again. No
2: way. No, you don't say. What slut shaming in the '70s? No. Someone like Madonna, who's just freely expressing herself, just being called a slut. No, that doesn't sound right. People didn't do that. That doesn't sound right. (laughs) God.
1: By now, at age fifteen, Madonna had developed a love of dancing. She'd taken jazz and tap lessons, but she was searching for something a little more challenging. Besides Bob O'Reilly? Yes. Okay. And fluorescent jumpsuits. (laughs) God damn it. So she enrolled in evening ballet classes. Mm. Her teacher was Christopher Flynn, who was possibly the most important and influential person in her life, aside from her mother. Madonna trained with Christopher Flynn for years, and his teachings helped forge her into a fantastic dancer. But he was more than just a dance teacher. He was a friend. He brought in Madonna's musical tastes and exposed her to all walks of life, bringing her to art galleries and shows in Detroit and, most influential of all, out dancing at gay clubs. Hell
2: fucking
1: yeah. (laughs) Yup. The gay clubs of Detroit were Madonna's home away from home. She was only 16 when she started going, and even though she didn't drink while she was there, she was still the life of the party. She had finally found a place where she belonged. This started her transition from popular cheerleader to theatrical misfit. Yes. Her whole persona changed in high school when her interests turned from dancing and performing when she traded her cheerleader uniform for combat boots and short hair. Nice. But it wasn't long before Madonna would leave her classmates long behind for bigger and better things. She graduated from high school a semester early and enrolled in the University of Michigan at Ann Arbor. She didn't have to give up her dance lessons, though, as Christopher Flynn became a professor at the school's dance department.
2: Huh. Like, was that just, like, happy kismet, like... Happenstance. Huh. Just
1: happened. That's awesome. I'm sure they probably talked about it. And she was like, I don't know. Maybe they influenced
2: each other's decisions, but at the same time, like, also kind of crazy random happenstance. Right. Nice.
1: She flourished as a dancer in college, mm-hmm. despite the fact that Christopher Flynn's strict attitudes towards dancers' eating habits were supremely unhealthy.
2: Oh, you don't say! He would like Dance body has shame gotta them. gotta be
1: skinny. He would body
2: shame them in front of the entire class. Which really, let's have a quick, let's have a quick powwow about this. I think a dancer needs to have like some rolls and some curves because you're dancing, you're moving, you're jiggling. Like if you're just like this skinny stick, it's just your. That also sounds like I am shaming in the opposite direction. I'm not trying to. I'm just saying, be yourself. Be happy to have a little fat on you. any body
1: type can be a really great dancer. Right, like,
2: you have, like, bigger girls or boys who are amazing dancers, and it's like, they're kind of mesmerizing to watch because it's like, they just know how they're... You just need to know how your fucking body works. Yeah, and
1: I, I get that ballet is very different, and it has traditions that are deeply rooted in... Things that happened hundreds of years ago, but Times change.
2: <laughs> wait, what? Like, times what? Wait, they, what does time do wait, what does time do? They it changes. Wait, what? People change. Wait, no. I mean slavery's still cool, right? Ugh. Times don't change, <laughs> yeah. right?
1: Mm, not at all. We're
2: not supposed to like look at life and be like, things change. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, everything's supposed to always stay the same.
1: Yeah. And we can't, um, like, put past events into present context.
2: Right. We're not supposed to do that.
1: And, no, we don't do that. No, we're not allowed to do that. We can't do that.
2: No. But fuck that. That's um, unfair. That's misrepresenting history. No, fuck that. Um, <laughs> you know what? Like. Fuck off. Touching we're ki- doing it. Touching kids is never cool. Telling people that they need to be skinny is never cool. And, like, slavery was never cool. Yeah. None of this shit's cool. None of this shit's cool, guys. Stop. So, stop doing it. Yeah. That's why we still do it. But anyway. (laughs) So, but anyway. But yes. Okay. So, he had (laughs) problematic views towards her eating habits.
1: Yeah. But she always had her mind on what was next. She realized she'd gotten everything school could give her, so she quit college when her sophomore year was over and moved to New York City. Wow. Wow.
2: She was like, fuck this shit. I'm just going to go do my thing. Yeah,
1: like, I've gotten everything I can out of these courses. I can go and do something else now. Nice. Obviously, Tony was pissed.
2: Tony Rigatoni. Tony Rigatoni was, Riga like, Tony a. was a a pissed door. off. <laughs> Why are you a going to, turn to New York City? Say. Hey.
1: Anyway... He thought his daughter was wasting a great opportunity and refused to let her go to New York. But Madonna was 19 and she'd had enough. Like, Papa, don't preach. <laughs> she, er, they had a particularly bad fight about the move, in which she threw a plate of spaghetti
2: at him and screamed, Stop trying to run my life for me! <laughs> hey, <authority. laughs> Here's some spaghetti for your mouth. Shut, shut it. Hey, shut Madonna, and don't throw that spaghetti at me. Oh my god, we really need to stop Spag- doing it. this. Oh my god. I have Italian in me. It's fine. Oh, it's not fine for me. I, I also know I'm terrible at this. <laughs> so, despite the
1: fight, Madonna left anyway, and it would be years before the rift between the father and daughter could be repaired. Mm. Madonna still had dancing on the brain when she arrived in New York. She joined Pearl Lang's dance company and performed in multiple productions. It was backbreaking work, but she seemed to be going places. However, a devastating experience made everything crash down around her. One day in 1978, shortly after arriving in New York, she was grabbed on the street by a strange man. He forced her at knife point up to the roof of a tenement house and forced her to perform oral sex on him. When it was over, she didn't go to the police. She internalized the incident, which had a huge impact on her psyche and her self esteem.
2: I mean, God, it was so fucked up. But well, that's like, but it was nineteen seventy eight in New York City, and who was going to believe her? you're like, no, I don't even think it was a matter of not believing her. I'm sure they would have believed her. They would have been like, "What do you want us to do about it?" Exactly, like.
1: Okay, well this happened, so like you're what do you the want?
2: you're the tenth rape to come in this hour.
1: Yeah. And she was apparently walking down a bad area. Right. But every so, ar- but
2: every area back then was basically a bad bad area.
1: Right. So they were going to be like, Well, what did you expect? You were you're a woman, you were walking in a bad you're area. You're an
2: attractive woman walking in a bad area. So, so that's it's fucking awful.
1: She ended up losing concentration in class, complained that moves were too difficult, and eventually she dropped out of Perlang's Lang's company. She definitely put on a front
2: around oh, I'm people. sure.
1: Because she did tell some of her friends, but she always shrugged it off. Like, oh, it's no big deal. I'll get over it. It's fine. So it definitely affected her, but she
2: kept that shit to herself. But here's a word of advice. If your friend comes to you with something horrible that happened to you and they say they're fine... I'm going to guess they're probably not fine. They're probably not. But Madonna was very good
1: at making it seem like nothing fucking bothered her. And everything was totally fine. She just wants to have fun and forget about it. But
2: also, again, your friend that acts like nothing bothers them, I bet everything Everything bothers bothers them. them. Yes, yeah, it sure does. But
1: she didn't give up completely. She just reset her sights onto something different. She already immersed herself in New York's club and punk scenes, having been hugely influenced by Deb- Debbie Harry and Chrissy Hind. Hell yeah! After a brief stint living in Paris, where she gained a huge appreciation of Europop, How it was a failed like business thing. Get to fucking Paris. She made so many fucking connections in That's New York; true. it was ridiculous. The
2: the one thing like some of the few things I do know about, or always Madonna, but early Madonna is she was always really good at just like. Going up, talking to people, yes. making friends.
1: That's exactly what she did. She turned did.
2: the pants off everyone yep. she ever met. She
1: would go into a dance club, go right up to the DJ and talk to him, make friends with him, say what you do and what you play yeah, you know, who do you know, who can I be friends with and just talk to people. And that's exactly what she did. That's, that's how she got. Make friends with the DJ. Yeah. Yeah. That's and the, if you're yeah. a dancer, if you're a musician, make friends with the DJ. Because Absolutely. they're already
2: kind of in the scene. And if they like you... Yeah.
1: They'll help you. And also make friends with the bartenders and the bar owners. Because and the bouncers. they know everybody.
2: And any like backstage crew. If it's yes. like a show that night, if there's roadies hanging out, make friends with... That's how you start. You start little. Yep. And that's
1: exactly what she did. Little bits.
2: <laughs> but after Paris, she,
1: or in Paris, she gained a huge appreciation for Europop. And she started Fuck experimenting yeah. with music on her own. She desperately wanted to be in a band. And with the help of her musician boyfriend at the time, Dan Gil- Gilroy, they started one called The Breakfast Club in 1980. Oh, This was before the movie. Which is funny. <laughs> she started out playing drums, but eventually moved to her favorite spot, lead singer. But
2: that's cool that she played drums. Yeah.
1: I actually did not know she knew how to
2: play drums. I
1: mean, she wasn't great at it, but she played drums competently. But she was better than me. And certainly better than me. I can't play
2: drums to save my fucking life. Yeah.
1: I mean, they didn't really know what to put her on because she couldn't really play guitar or anything. Right. So they were like, well, you're a dancer. You have natural rhythm. So play drums. And she was good at it.
2: All right. Good for her. Yay, Madonna.
1: The band didn't last long and went through a couple personnel changes before Madonna decided it was just going to be called Madonna.
2: Wait, the whole band was just called
1: Madonna? Yeah. The guys in the band weren't too excited about that. Oh, you don't say. Yeah. Which led Madonna to seek out new help. That you meet came- a new band? Yes. Do you meet a new band? But it was help. It Ooh. was it was her and then the band.
2: You know what? She's doing the legwork. Yeah. She's looking. She's asking who's interested. Yeah. She's and, being up front. And it's not like she's saying,
1: Let's be a band. They're sa- she's saying, Can you play in my band? You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. It's way different Can when you, you play you... behind me? <laughs> Basically, like, I'm a lead singer. I need a band. Yeah. You can reap whatever benefits you want, but it's my fucking band. Right. All
1: right. So that came in the form of recording studio owner Camille Barbone, who saw a drive in Madonna like none other. She became Madonna's manager, transforming her into a solo act and giving her a steady salary so she could create music and still eat and pay her bills. As a result, Madonna started ge- getting taken seriously. Instead of being looked at as a sex object by men who wanted to control and dominate her, she was now being looked at as a formidable musician with a legit management team.
2: Hell yeah, Madonna, get it. And two two
1: women doing yes. this. That, so that's pretty awesome. Camille helped Madonna put together a band and then started writing. Starting off, to be honest, Madonna, like I said, was not really a great musician. She was learning. <laughs> Everyone she worked with said she was good, and she could play instruments competently enough to create the basic structure of a song, but that's where it stopped.
2: So it was like it's like are like baby giraffes when they're born, like they can walk, but they're real fucking bad at it.
1: Yeah, yeah, like so they she can was do like it. a baby giraffe. She can get it done, but it's it looks real awkward. <laughs> it does, but she's and, doing it. And honestly, I watched a bunch of videos of her playing guitar. Like in the last 10 years, she hasn't really progressed that much. She can play basic chords, right? But I can also play basic chords, and right. I have zero musical talent. So take that as you will, right? So she's still a baby giraffe. She's still a baby giraffe when it comes to like playing guitar and stuff instruments like that. And, and instruments. She can Hearing. sing. She can sing, yeah. She's a very good singer. She's She's an amazing dancer. She's a
2: phenomenal performer. People don't go to watch her play guitar. People go to watch her perform. She's not
1: really a musician. She's an entertainer.
2: Which Which is still valid. Yeah, absolutely. And still culturally impactful.
1: If you're going to pay hundreds of dollars to get a seat at one of her concerts and she fucking blows you away, yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Mission accomplished. Sincerely. After four weeks of writing and recording, the group had four songs. They started performing them at venues around the New York area, gaining a small but fanatical fan base of young teenage girls. Yep. Madonna was completely uninhibited on stage, enrapturing audiences by making them feel like they were voyeurs witnessing something illicit, but without any overtly sexual acts. For now. For now. (laughs) Because even at this early stage in her career... Madonna's sexuality was front and center. Mm -hmm. She knew that her charm and sexual nature were great ways to control situations and get what she wanted. She was a master manipulator, both in life and on stage, and charming to the hilt. And that's why she captivated people so much. It wasn't that she was using sex to advance her career, but rather to get people's attention and hold on to it.
2: And I might even argue she was sex. Yeah, she embodied it. It wasn't even just something that she knew could grab people's attention. I think it was something that she embraced.
1: Yeah. And it's something Which is pretty respectful, you know? And I think it was a direct result of not having really a mother Mm. to like teach her about the birds and the bees and like this is how a lady is supposed to be and whatever. She was just kinda like, Well fuck it. I'm just gonna fuck everything then. Right. It's fine. Who gives a shit? As long as you she's not wrong. Yeah, as long as you're being safe about it. And
2: this was pre-AIDS. Condoms. Yeah. Condoms. Lots of condoms. Guys, 2019. Still a firm believer of condoms. And
1: also, like, I think it has a lot to do with, like, her religious upbringing.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. It actually... It wasn't her dad's Italian Catholic side. It was her mother's French Canadian Catholic side that was super strict
2: about it. regardless. It's them Catholics. It's them Catholics. You know what Catholics are real good at? Shame. Shame. (laughs) Fucking, I'll tell you, I know all about that shit. I am 35 and I still feel shame sometimes Mm -hmm. because of my Catholic upbringing. Yep, yep. Thanks, Catholics. (laughs) What are you doing over there, Pope? You, you, what's Doing going on good right? stuff. Doing good stuff. Doing
1: good stuff. Yeah, I bet you are. One person whose attention she grabbed immediately was Mark Cammons, a DJ for Talking Heads and A and R guy for Island Records. Oh shit! Madonna gave him a copy of her song "Everybody" at the Danceteria. which is not the same as Black
2: Box's "Everybody." Everybody,
1: different. Okay, different. That's a pretty good '90s. But that's jam. a great fucking jam. Yeah. But the Danceteria was a club where he was working, and he was impressed with the song Madonna gave him. So he brought Madonna and the tape to Seymour Stein from Sire Records, who signed Madonna to a singles deal. Okay, that's a deal. And I do believe that now is a good time to refill our drinks. Oh, my God. So we will be right back.
2: Yes, we'll be right back. I need booze. Now we're, we're back. back.
1: <laughs> Madonna's first two singles, 82's Everybody and 83's Burning Up, both became hits on the dance charts, getting Madonna considerable notice. With the success of these two singles, Sire set her up to start recording her eponymous debut album. Mm. She ditched Mark Cammons in favor Ooh. of R&B producer Reggie Lucas, mm. but the relationship was strained soon after they started working together. Oh. Madonna accused Reggie Lucas of putting too much stuff into her songs and changing them too much from the originals. He abandoned the project near the end without changing any of the songs back to how Madonna wanted them to sound. Okay. So she hired her boyfriend, John Benitez, to complete the mixing and fix the songs. Okay. Meanwhile, the song Ain't No Big Deal, that was supposed to be on her album, was sold to another Sire Records act which meant Madonna couldn't use it on her album. Oh, that's Shanny's. Yeah. So John Benitez was tasked with finding a new song to replace it. What he found was a song called Holiday, Mm. which, along with Lucky Star and Borderline, would become a top 10 hit.
2: Like... Those fucking three songs, you just say them, and I'm like, yep, yep, yep. And every single one, start you start playing just, yep. immediately in your head.
1: Borderline, you can be my lucky star. Yes. Holiday. holiday. <laughs> oh just God. a montage and of then, Madonna in your head then in this I whole think episode. And the
2: Wedding Singer version, when he's like, holiday. <laughs> he's
1: so upset. <laughs> Celebrate. <laughs> Aw. Every time I hear
2: Ladies Night, I have John Lovitz in my head singing it. He's completely losing his mind. (laughs) And I'm reaping the benefits. Benefits. God, fucking John Lovitz. I think we're going to go with the DJ. Anyway. Yes. So
1: Madonna was released on July 27th, 1983, peaking at number eight on the Billboard charts. Everyone was talking about her album and her clothes. Yup. This was the beginning of Madonna's status as a fashion icon. She was
2: always very fashionable. Yes. Like, she always knew how to dress so it looks good and garnered attention. Yes. And
1: these days, she's still garnering attention, doesn't look so good. Maybe, like, just... We'll get to that. Tone it down, lady. (laughs) Seriously, We still like you. Still- you don't have to keep
2: dressing yeah, crazy I I mean, to get us to like you. A lot you. of the
1: outfits she wears now, I actually really like. But I'm like, but you need to have taken like 20 things off of your body before you left the house. You
2: needed that one friend to look at you like, mm, I love this, but take this, this, She and this needed
1: off. a Coco Chanel.
2: Yeah. She really needed a
1: Coco Chanel get a grip friend.
2: Yeah. Like, oh, honey, I see what you're trying to do and it's a mess. Here, just boop, 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 boop. And you're good. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that some other time. <laughs> some other time. Probably right, next week. <laughs> next week, as in,
1: yeah. Mm-mm. In the early 80s, her fashion inspiration was what she saw people wearing on the streets. It was a mix between streetwear, punk, religious iconography, bleached hair, and accessories made out of found objects like typewriter bands. Nice. Helped by her stylist-slash-artist friend, Maripol. Who styled Madonna for various photo shoots and shows, girls everywhere started copying Madonna's style. Yup. Excited by the success of her debut, Madonna was eager to get back into the studio and record her next album. Like a Virgin was released on November 12th, 1984 to mixed <sighs> reviews from critics, but immense praise from fans. Oh my God. Cementing Madonna's place in pop music forever. Fucking album. It's uh, so good. It's so good. Madonna wanted wanted to produce the album herself, but Sire Records believed she didn't have the experience needed for it. Instead, she chose to work with Niall Rogers, mostly because she loved his work on David Bowie's single, Let's Dance.
2: Uh, cause that's...
1: It's a fucking jam. A fucking jam. Yeah. It was a good choice because Like a Virgin spawned three massive hits, Like a Virgin, Material Girl, and Dress You Up.
3: And technically
1: also Into the Groove, although Into the Groove was on the Desperately Seeking Susan soundtrack and Uh also like a bonus track on the UK version of Like a Virgin. Oh, so technically it was part of the album, but not really. But what really stuck in people's brains was Madonna's provocative style She kicked things up a notch after Like a Virgin was released with extensive use of religious jewelry combined with lingerie and virgin imagery. It was the dichotomy of bad girl slash virgin girl that stuck in the craws of conservative folks, again with the slut shaming. how How dare this harlot use religious imagery while being sexy? How dare she?
2: Was she also... I feel like she was also trying to go for kind of a Mary Magdalene kind of appeal as well. I mean... That's a huge part of the Bible, Christians. Mary Magdalene, big thing. Jesus yeah, like, forgave her, and like she followed him. And, she was
1: supposed to be a prostitute. And that think,
2: and there's like you know those those scriptures that nobody likes to talk about or acknowledge. You mean exists. the Mary Magdalene ones? Yep. Those just didn't. this just happened to not fall into the Bible. They were like, Nah, Luke, John, Paul, they're cool. Mary Magdalene, Nah, she ain't gonna be around. We're gonna we're gonna write how she. Guys, the Bible's fake yeah she wasn't a prostitute at all, no, and she married Jesus, yeah. Jesus wasn't like a miracle worker. he was just a really nice guy <laughs> we're not a We're not a biblical podcast no, 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 no.
1: Further creating this complicated message was the cover of the album. Mm. She's lounging in a white wedding dress symbolizing feminine virtue, but the dress is lingerie inspired with a boy toy belt buckle. Yeah. It's sexy, but of course conservatives would be up in arms over the religious aspect of it. Think of the children. Think of the children. Can someone
2: please think of the children?
1: I, yeah. Like me, as a child, fucking loving this album because I loved Madonna when I was a kid. Truth. Like a Virgin was the first single off the album, hitting number one for six straight weeks. Naturally, conservative groups called for it to be banned, saying it was destructive to family values and promoted premarital
2: sex. Well, someone please think of the children?
1: Well, someone has to promote premarital sex?
2: Yeah. (laughs) She is thinking of the children. She
1: is.
2: (laughs) Oh, no. She is forcing parents to have to have the birds and the bees talk with their kids. Because her parents didn't. I mean, her mother, unfortunately, could not. But neither did her stepmother. Neither did Joan. Joan didn't do shit. And then... Tony Rigatoni's is over here like, hey, I'm going to give you the flat hand. (laughs) Give you the
1: flat hand? Give me the flat hand. Hey. Hey, curtains for you. Flat (laughs) hand.
2: Not the flat hand. Not
1: the flat (laughs) hand. But that didn't stop MTV from inviting Madonna to perform the song at their very first video music awards in 1984. That shit. Who? In a now iconic performance, Madonna writhed provocatively on stage in her white bustier wedding dress. It caused a lot of commotion, but it didn't stop Madonna's rise in popularity. Good for her. And this was a pretty courageous move, because if any of the conservative crusaders knew about Madonna's private life at the time, she would have been actually crucified. Yep. Madonna's relationship with John Benitez was on the rocks when she found out she was pregnant. She had an abortion, but the relationship continued to deteriorate and eventually ended. Yeah. Relationships are hard as it is. And then... Throw a baby into it in the early 80s? that A baby you don't want? Yeah. Yeah. It was a difficult situation, but she had her work and her music. And 1985 was poised to be her banner year. So wait, she made a choice? Because she had a choice. Huh. But she had to keep it fucking secret. She couldn't tell anybody. If she told anybody she had a abortion. Oh, in the eighties? Her her career would have been dead in the water. Ripperoni. Yeah. I mean, it was bad enough. She was writhing around on stage in a wedding dress. And talking about how she's a virgin again. That was bad enough. If she, if people knew she had an abortion, fuck it. She, you know, it was, it was what over. kind
2: of a compliment is that, though? That's a nice compliment to tell someone, like, you make me feel like I've never had sex before. That's how good you are. Yeah. Hilariously, this
1: song was written by a man. I think I knew that. Yeah.
2: That's delightful.
1: And they didn't really change it all that much from... The way he wrote it and the way I think, he sang it.
2: <laughs> but I also do think that men want women to be like, oh my God, you make me feel like I've never had sex before because you're so good at it. I'm a virgin. You know what? This all checks. It's that weird virgin complex. It is like, oh man, I want to have sex with a virgin. Why? But why? They don't know what the fuck to do. They're I just guess they may- sit there.
1: I guess it's also that domination complex thing.
2: And it's the domination thing, but it's like, why? Cool. Just fuck they don't a- know what to do. Just fuck a pie. You can dominate a pie, too. <laughs> just fuck a pie. <laughs> I'm just thinking of, like, inanimate things that you're like, yeah, you can fuck that and dominate that as well. I
1: mean, you can fuck a stuffed animal. You can dominate a stuffed animal. You can fuck a pillow.
2: Yeah. You can fuck a flashlight. Guess what? And you can, all and you can dominate all of those things because they're inanimate and they have no bodily autonomy. But maybe like don't look at women like that.
1: You can fuck any inanimate object you want. <laughs> you Honestly. Can. Just
2: don't do it in public, please. Oh, please don't. In your like, own in the comfort of your own home. Think
1: preferably your bedroom. Everybody will thank you for that.
2: Yes. Thank you for fucking inanimate <laughs> <you>. objects ob- <laughs> objects in your bedroom. Yes.
1: Spurred by the success of the album and MTV performance, her record label threw together a massive tour dubbed the Virgin Tour. The tour, which went all over North America, had the Beastie Boys as Madonna's opening act. Oh my god! A very, a very
2: baby Beastie Boys. Oh my god! This is like when they were still really punk rock, not yes. not quite. I think rap. It... Like they were, they were cresting on that rap life. Yeah, I'm
1: not sure really when "Licensed to Ill" came out, but I think
2: it was before this. It was before "Licensed to Ill." Yeah, yeah, that's delightful, right? Little baby Beastie Boys, little baby Madonna. (laughs) I can only imagine the shanties these guys got into. Oh my god. But I bet, like, she would, like, be coy with them, but never let them, like, have anything edgewise. If she
1: even talked to them, I don't know if she would even talk to them at this point. Oh.
2: Yeah. Because even
1: at this point, Madonna kind of had a superiority complex.
2: I feel very torn on this because. The part there's a part of me. It's like you know what the like she she kind of needs to. I think she she needs. She, to. I think she
1: needed to in order to survive and get
2: as big as she wanted to be. But I also think that it let her get really pretentious. Yes, and now I think she's kind of a shitty person. Yeah,
1: like I, I don't yeah. think
2: that she is good to people who she deems lesser than her. Even at this early stage in her career. absolutely. fucking-lutely. And and there's there's a difference between being confident and being someone who is self-assured and saying I know who I am. I know what I want. I know how I have to get it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe I'm gonna have to be a bit of a jerk on the way, but at the end of the day, like, I'm still a good person. And then there's just like now I'm better than all you fuckers though. And I feel like Nobody's black and white, but I feel like on the gauge of that, it's definitely gauging a little towards more. Yeah, I'm better than you. She,
1: she kind of she did that to Camille, definitely. (gasps) She did that. How dare you? Yeah, she did that to Camille. She did that to, um, she kind of did it to John Benitez and like all the the series of boyfriends that she had when she was first starting Mm -hmm. up in New York City. Um, there were some that she still collaborated with on her albums on her subsequent albums. Um but for the most part she was just like, no. This isn't working.
2: I don't need you anymore. I mean, even in. real quick, if you go back to March and listen to our Women's History Month MIA, she left her hanging. Cuz she was oh, yeah, all yeah. about MIA doing the middle finger, but then yep. like when she was in trouble, where was Madonna exactly. defending her? Nowhere. Yeah,
1: she does she definitely does that. Like she sees the opportunity in in socializing with you yes. and working with you. And then as soon as this relationship is not viable anymore, she's fucking out of there. You're you are only a surface friend. Yeah. You're not an actual friend. She's a fair friend. weather friend. And she even did that to people she was very deep friends with. She mm-hmm. always had kind of like a female friend that was like her her rock, her base that she would go to for everything but as soon as something happened in her life or like the next step happened or she found somebody else to be best friends
2: with she was you were out you were done that's too bad it is too bad that's fucking unfortunate yeah. that you have to be like that yeah disappointed so they were touring
1: with the BC boys and this was peak 80s Madonna wannabe era yeah Everyone, the basic fans, and the celebrities alike were wearing lace gloves and giant bows in their hair and crop tops. Thanks to Madonna, the early to mid-80s had a fashion scene. And fashion played a huge role in Madonna's first movie role, opposite Patricia Arquette in Desperately Seeking Susan, released in 1985. Yeah. Is this a movie you have seen? I have not seen it, but I know that it's a movie with Madonna and Patricia Arquette in it. It's so good. It's actually really, really good. Um, Rosanna Arquette received a BAFTA award. And Wait, the... was it Patricia or Rosanna? Rosanna. That I'm I sorry. Was... I wrote two different names. It is Rosanna. There's a lot of Arquettes. There's a lot of Arquettes. And it's easy to get confused. Yeah. She's opposite Rosanna Arquette. And Rosanna Arquette received a BAFTA <laughs> award. <laughs> we don't blame you. Patricia
2: is the more known Arquette.
1: Now she is. But I think back then... Um, Rosanna, she was quite young. So. Rosanna was known for quite a bit. She dated a guy from Toto. Good for her. That song Rosanna is about Rosanna, our cat. Ooh, Did you know?
2: I didn't. You learned to hear first and or third on Rock Candy. Everybody else knew it. <laughs> Maggie this heard is it is not news. first.
1: This is not news. I liked it.
2: <laughs> but anyway.
1: <laughs> she also got a Golden Globe nomination for her part, but it was Madonna that wowed audiences. Right. Her role wasn't too far off from her actual personality, so it was a nice introduction of Madonna to the world. By the time they were done filming, Madonna's popularity had skyrocketed, and they could no longer film on the street without hordes of fans clamoring after her. Damn. With this almost instant surge in fame, of course, came downfalls. Because people are awful, some nude photos of Madonna taken in 1978, back when she was a penniless artist trying to yes. make it in New York City, were leaked.
2: I remember hearing about this.
1: They were published in both Playboy and Penthouse magazines around the same time she performed at Live Aid. Courageously, she did not apologize for fo- for the photos. Instead, right. she owned it.
2: And like, credit to her. I think even she believed it. Like, you know what? Fuck it. There's my naked body. What are you going to do about it? Which is... a Kind of crazy tact to take in a situation like this in
1: 1985, because back then you're supposed to, like, grovel at the feet of a fucking... Jesus statue or something for forgiveness when oh, something God, like I'm this happened. I'm sorry, happens. I was naked once. Like, like, I'm sorry, those, I, I really did like, fucking survive.
2: If I recall correctly, those were photos taken by like some quote unquote like art student and she did it for the money because she had just moved to the city around yeah, that time. Yeah, she was doing
1: nude modeling for mm-hmm. artists and yeah.
2: I think somebody just took pictures of her. And like, too. here's the thing though, like she's got that body, a yadi. If you're going to make money off of just getting a couple fucking right. fine art, whatever portraits taken, Fucking and she do was it. she
1: was still a dancer then, so like she was skinny as fuck. Yeah, and she and had really the, still skinny as fuck. She had that like muscular toned body that art students needed to like
2: sketch to for sketch their anatomy yeah. and stuff like that. So, so like, what's the big fucking deal? Yeah, Gotta hate people.
1: <laughs> Hopefully, it wasn't just some dude who got a camera like a week ago and was like I'm going to take tasteful nude pictures <laughs> in the woods
2: cause like, I have an Instagram yeah I was gonna and say take mean, like every man moods. now I take tasteful nudes um if anybody wants to be one of my models I just got a Canon D1200 um and a couple lenses and I'm just messing with my lighting and stuff my mom got it for me for Christmas and um, I'm just trying to figure it I out I found this abandoned warehouse and I'd like to take pictures of you naked in it <laughs> Stop doing that, man. They're not we tasteful know what you're news. fucking doing. It's not tasteful news. You're just
1: trying to get a chick to take naked pictures with you. Sorry, you're an adult. Just have sex with women. And also, you're not doing anything,
3: anything no. new.
1: As if 1985 wasn't a crazy enough year for Madonna, she also got married to none other than actor Sean Penn. Ooh, this is not great.
2: This is not a great time for anyone. (laughs) Mm -mm.
1: They met on the set of her video for Material Girl, which probably enraptured the actor a little bit, considering the video's extravagance and sensuality. Right.
2: And then it's all cute at the end. She's like, I'm not really a material girl. But she
1: really yeah, it's kind of funny because, yeah, the whole video is a take on um, Marilyn Monroe's yes. Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend yep. by a gentleman from the movie Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Mm-hmm. And... Which I don't think is
2: true, by the way.
1: No, I don't think that's true at all. I don't yeah. think they really give a shit. <laughs> like,
2: gentlemen Honestly. prefer vaginas. Yes. If they're straight. If they're straight.
1: They made a slow going of it for a while until a few months until a few months in, something clicked and they were inseparable. Aww. But the relationship left a lot of people concerned. Sean Penn was already a star in his own right, with a reputation for being a hothead with a violent streak. Yup. So when Madonna uprooted herself and moved to Malibu to be with him, naturally her friends were concerned. Maybe you shouldn't do this. And rightfully so because none of them were invited to her wedding. <gasps> so pretty she pretty much forgot all of her New York friends. <gasps> But her star was skyrocketing and she was marrying a famous actor. Her new friends would be much more influential. Again. Come on. Again, master manipulator that knew how to use people to her advantage. Come on. Like, I have problems with this. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm kind of like, but OK, because it, it if it were a man at this time, nobody would really have a problem with it.
2: I'm just saying, like, stop fucking abandoning the people who give a shit about you. Yeah,
1: because that means you're a shit friend, right? And I would
2: say that even about a man.
1: Yeah, you're I mean, a I shit think friend. We actually, we have
2: said that about men. Yes. Like, oh, cool. You forgot about all the people who helped you when you were down.
1: Like, oh, you got a you got a girlfriend or a boyfriend, and now you won't talk to any of your friends. Cool, cool. Oh. I get it. I see it.
2: Oh, I hate
1: that. Yeah, I hate it. That's fine. I hate it. So now Madonna and Sean were married. So, what's the natural next step? Baby. Mm-mm. Movie.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh. They're in a movie together. I was like, they didn't have a baby, no, so it must didn't. be the movie. <laughs> Movies are babies. Shanghai Surprise should have oh, been no.
1: a good movie.
2: Oh, no. First of all, <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: called Shanghai, Shanghai surprise. surprise. The surprise is that it fucking blows. I don't think that's a surprise. That's not a surprise. It was produced by George Harrison. That's the surprise. Yes, that George Harrison. And involved a lot of action and romance. But the role was so far removed from Madonna herself that her performance was distant and stiff at best. You don't say. And Sean's violence towards the press at the time did little to pique anyone's interest in the movie. Mm. Even George Harrison complained that Madonna and Sean's performances were crap, saying that, quote... All Madonna needs is 500 milligrams of some good LSD, end quote, to have made her part good. Because you
2: know who would say that? George, George Harrison. Harrison would say that. <laughs> she just needed some LSD and then she would have been a great actress. I love you, George Harrison. <laughs> fucking gone too soon. She put the shit... Fuck cancer. Yeah, fuck Between cancer. Between Madonna's mom and George Harrison. Yeah, fuck, fuck cancer. cancer. Yeah.
1: She put the Shanghai surprise debacle behind her and went back into the studio to work on True Blue, her third studio album. Also a good album. Amazing album, honestly. It's probably my favorite Madonna album. Ooh, okay. Once again, she knocked it out of the park with this record. True Blue solidified the true Madonna sound, a danceable pop song with a great hook that goes a little bit deeper than most pop songs. Mm. Has a little bit more of an edge or... A little bit more meaning. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's She grew up a little bit for this one. Yeah.
1: She had a lot of songs like that on this album, including five top five singles. Woof. Live to Tell, Papa Don't Preach, and Open Your Heart all peaked at number one. I fucking
2: love Open Your Heart. Right. And I think it's my favorite Madonna song. Yeah.
1: I think it's one of her best hits. It's so good. I, I think people often kind of forget about it in... In, like, the rundown of Madonna hits.
2: Yeah, I never see it in, like, oh, my top ten Madonna's, like, are you shitting me? Open your heart's a fucking I would, solid jam. I would take it over Papa Don't Preach. That one's overplayed. Same. Same. Yeah. Same.
1: Also, I fucking love Live to Tell. It's Live such to tell's a good great. song.
2: I would, you know what? But tide, Tide 1 and 2, Open Your Heart, Like a Prayer.
1: I fucking loved Like a Prayer when I was a child. My I very clearly remember my mom telling me that the video was on MTV and I ran down the stairs to stand in front of the TV and watch
2: it. We are both white girls who are products of the 80s and 90s. Of course, Like a Prayer was one of our favorites. And I
1: was extremely confused by the video. But watching it as an adult, I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. This is why I am the way I am. Yep. Thank you, Madonna. Thanks, Madonna. Thanks, Madonna. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's that's what happened. Anyway. Yes. She dedicated the album to her husband. Okay. Which was groan-worthy at best. At best. Most of the songs were co-written by Madonna herself and inspired by Sean. Eventually, True Blue would become Madonna's best-selling album. Yeah. A massive international tour followed the album's release. Which coincided with the release of her next movie, Who's That Girl? Oh, yeah. The movie didn't do so great. No. But the Who's That Girl tour was a huge success, as was the single from the movie soundtrack of the same name. Not seeing success anymore was her marriage to Sean Penn. What? It's like, it's
2: like this just wasn't meant to be. Hmm. Because Sean Penn's a mess, and you're just kind of busy doing your own thing. Yeah. Yeah. From the beginning, Sean and
1: Madonna were polar opposites. He hated the spotlight being with Madonna brought him, frequently assaulted photographers, drank too much, liked guns too much, hated Madonna's gay friends, Uh, called them the F word a
2: lot. Oh, let's not do that.
1: And was generally a miserable fucking asshole. All right. Also, read a story where when they were in Hong Kong filming Shanghai Surprise, he Dangled a journalist <gasps> over a balcony by the feet. Oh yeah. And I kinda remember that. Like he not was from
2: a childhood, but I remember hearing about that. And he
1: was arrested, thrown in jail in Hong Kong, escaped, and fled back to the United States. Like you do. Like you do? <laughs> so she filed for divorce in December 1987. And then had a brief affair with JFK Jr. Oh, yeah. That didn't last long. Only like three months. And by mid-1988... You know what,
2: though? Like, good for them. Fine. I feel like three months is a lifetime for both of them.
1: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and by mid-1988, she was back with Sean. But things just got worse, especially when Madonna became best buds with Sandra Bernard. Huh. Seems an unlikely pair, but I guess it also makes sense.
2: But also, Madonna does what she has to do to survive. Exactly.
1: Sandra being a lesbian, this didn't go over too well with Sean, and he started drinking heavily.
2: I have to deal with the fact that my girlfriend is friends with a lesbian, so I need to drink. Yeah, and could
1: possibly be hooking up with her, as rumors tried to suggest.
2: And I'm sure Madonna was like, yeah, keep those rumors up. It makes me more popular. And also, she did like
1: women, too. That's right. Yeah. By the end of 1988, he'd become psychologically unstable and held Madonna hostage in their house. Oh, my God. That's right. She filed for divorce again, and this time she meant it.
2: <laughs> I filed for a divorce, Sean, and this time I fucking mean, mean it. You mean it. I mean, she... It's no joke. Like, their relationship was abusive and terrible. Yeah, it was horrible. And they should have never fucking been together.
1: No, he shouldn't have been with anybody. He was fucking nuts. Right. This was a time of deep reflection for Madonna, who is now looking back on her family and her childhood and her mother's death and really trying to figure out who the fuck she was. Yeah. And that's where we're going to stop it for but this week. who the week. fuck is she? You'll find out next week. But I need to know now! Well, well yeah, gotta wait. I'm giving you the flat hand. Oh god, yes ma'am. I'll give you the yes flat ma'am, I've
2: gotten the flat hand. <laughs> I know where I stand now. Yes, we're gonna ma'am. have
1: to like we're gonna have to um give a, a nice pictorial grid of all of these Italian hand gestures. Yeah, you're
2: gonna have to look that up so I can like just post that somewhere. Yeah. I'm yeah. be like, guys, these are the Italian hand gestures. Yeah. Know them. Learn them. This is them. what they mean. Yeah. Because you will need them for the Madonna episodes. <laughs>
1: Kind of like our Steve Harvey face reference guide. Oh yeah, that's an an Italian hand
2: gesture reference guide for this episode. I mean, there's only three, but they're very important, and you need to know them.
1: I we can we can find more. We can educate. No, I feel like
2: most people who are Italian, at least, are like, "I fucking know." (laughs) I'm well aware. I've seen them my whole life. If you came from an Italian family, you know what you're talking about. You fucking know exactly what we're saying. Yep. Yes. (laughs) Oh, my. And the flat hand? Terrifying. Run away. All right. Good. (laughs) Let's put a fucking pin in this till next week because I can't keep doing Italian accents. Yeah. I'm offending (laughs) everyone. Thank you. If you have listened past the terrible Italian accents, thank you for listening to Rock Candy Podcast. We appreciate you. We love you. We need you. We need your love. We need your support. Keep giving it to us. And you can continue to give it to us by going on to maybe iTunes and dropping us a sweet baller five-star review and being like, man, you guys are great. That'd be cool. (laughs) You can even just follow us on the Instagrams and the Facebooks at Rock Candy Podcast and Twitter at Rock Candy Pod. And we've got our website, www.rockcandypodcast.com and just hit us up and talk to us be like hey you guys are cool i would like to talk to you about italian hand gestures <laughs> honestly we would probably talk about most anything
1: yeah just don't tell us to shut the fuck up Yeah. that would be great cuz
2: i'm not going st- <laughs> to we're the- not going to th- shut the thing. fuck up we're not going to shut the fuck up yeah so if you're if you're glad if you're good about that good news we're not going to shut the fuck up there's that so lucky you lucky you and i mean Maybe we're not your cup of tea, or maybe we are, but either way, you should check out our network, the Pantheon Network. It is all wonderful, amazing shows about music. You should totally check them all out. Runs the gamut
1: of every
2: every kind of music podcast you could possibly want to listen to. I've been checking out Who Cares About the Rock Hall. Very good. Very funny. Definitely check them out. And yeah, we've got a ton of friends up on there. Good times. Great oldies. Do it. And some newbies. And some newbies. I mean, we're technically noobs, so. Yeah. Yeah. Noobs and olds. Check them all out.
1: And also, if you really want to support us monetarily, you Mm. can donate to our Patreon and get some pretty sweet fucking swag. Swag, swag, swag. Swag, swag, swag. Also boner episodes. And bonus episodes and some coasters and some pins and some stackers. Ringtones. Ringtones. We made those. Yeah.
2: They were good times.
1: I still haven't been able to put mine on my phone. I don't know how
2: it works. I will help you put that on your phone tonight. (laughs) (laughs) So just visit uh, patreon.com slash rockcandypodcast for that. And you can see some pretty awesome videos of us. Yeah, we're being stupid. It's fine. Yeah. But also our dogs are cute. Yeah. So there's that. And yeah, so then next week we'll uh, we'll talk more about Ms. Madonna. Cause... Yes, we will. Part two that we got a lot to cover. Yeah.
1: I only She's... got up to 1985 I this believe... episode. <laughs> no, you got up
2: to 1988. Ish. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. She's she's a busy fucking lady. Seriously. She is though. Um, there's a lot going on there. But uh yeah. Until next week you kids, uh you know, hang tight. We'll be back. Until then, party on Ashley. Party on Maggie And party on you crazy kids out there
1: my my your balls, your balls out
2: hey and you do, thank you say with <laughs> your balls
1: out and you yeah
2: <laughs> flat hands flat hands
0: <laughs> no Hey there, Martin Popoff here, telling you about a new podcast that I'm doing called History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. This is available on the Pantheon Podcasting Network uh, and anywhere that you uh, happen to get your podcast. Generally, the idea is it's going to be short, quick, sweet. It's going to be informative. We're basically going to pick five songs, going to play clips from those five songs, and they're going to create a narrative around a theme I've come up with, uh, you know, usually based around hard rock and heavy metal topics. As many of you know, I'm, uh that's kind of my uh, area of expertise. I've written 80-plus books on hard rock, heavy metal, old man heavy metal, new heavy metal, 1980s, 70s, a little bit of prog, a little bit of punk. That'll come into it a little bit later. Um, but yes, I'm uh, I'm definitely pleased as punch to be involved with the Pantheon Podcasting Network and, uh, and doing this show, History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. So join me there. It's going to be a weekly thing. Hope to have you around. Comment, Facebook with me. It's going to be a lot of
3: fun. Talk to you later. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.